1: Right Rug Flooring.
0: Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
1: A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes!
0: Wait! Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
2: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States.
3: On my first day in office, I said I'd close Guantanamo Bay. Is it closed yet? (laughs) No.
2: That's Fred Armisen on Saturday Night Live adding to the show's distinguished line of oddly perfect presidential impressions that started with Chevy Chase. Now there is Fred, who also plays other important icons such as Larry King, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, Rupert Murdoch, and Prince.
3: Attention sexy passengers. This groove, jets about to take off, so please direct your attention to my co-host, Miss Beyonce. No.
2: Fred Armisen grew up in Valley Stream, Long Island, with a Venezuelan mother and a German-Japanese father. My
3: mom really loved Saturday Night Live. She did. She loved it. She, I remember her talking about Chevy Chase, and she would say like, Oh, Chevy Chase, he's so funny. You just look at his face and you want to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> And that made a huge impression on me. And and even as a, as a kid, I thought, yeah, that, what is that? Like, a guy who, just from looking at him, right away, you know, it was absolutely true. He does nothing and you burst out laughing.
2: Yeah. Armisen is also co-creator of Portlandia, a playfully subversive sketch comedy show on IFC, in which he co-stars with the musician yeah. Carrie Brownstein.
0: I have to get up early for work, so let's get in our PJs and then we'll watch one more. Okay, but- one
3: more so good.
0: How is it so good? What time is it?
3: It's like daylight already. How did that even happen?
0: We just stayed up all night. Do you want to watch more? Portlandia,
3: which he
2: produces while SNL is on hiatus, recently won a Peabody Award. Uh,
3: Thank you so much for your guidance and for believing in the show and for allowing us a freedom, not to be reckless, but to be bold.
2: Fred Armisen Um, is part of the American comedy landscape, but he took an unusual path to get there. For 10 years, he was a punk rock drummer in a band called Trenchmouth.
3: I worked so hard on that band. It was like an obsession for me, but it was like I just worked every day. We were in the van. We toured, 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 booking toured, places, toured, booking, booking, booking bars, places, booking, clubs. booking, booking,
2: booking, booking. And just trying to get slots and clubs yeah. over what area? The, the just whole the United States and Canada.
3: And you were offloading and reloading your own equipment. You yeah. were your own roadies. Absolutely. We didn't bring any extra people to save money up and downstairs, middle of the night, lifting, lifting, lifting. Drums, cymbals, amps. Then, uh, if it was a local show, flyers, uh, records, getting them out to people, getting them out to radio stations. It was nonstop. And, the same and band. Same band. For nonstop. 10 years. i say 88 to, uh, I'd say maybe nine years. Uh, was it successful? It depends how you look at That's it. That's what I'm saying. I want to know your definition. By My your definition... definition. I had success in getting becoming closer with my friends. I had success in playing the drums. I played a lot of drums yeah. for a long time. You enjoyed yourself? Enjoyed myself. Traveled the country and Drank Europe. Drank a lot? I, I, I'm not much <laughs> of a drinker. <laughs> played in Europe, played in the States. So absolutely, that all that stuff was like, that's a success. Was it what I wanted? I wanted much more. You did? Much more. Why, why, why? Because I, want, I wanted to be as big. I remember, this is going to sound... I'll just be honest about what I wanted, but I wanted to be as big as the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was like, God, they're huge. Yeah. They're huge. We can do it. So because we never attained that, and I would see bands from Chicago kind of swoop right by us, I saw it as not a success. And that's what kind of got me into doing comedy. I, in fact, I remember one band in particular, I remember seeing the drummer and saying to myself that like I don't want to be that. Right. And... He was older than me, so he must have been. Who knows what? Thirty-eight, forty, or something like that. And he was a drummer in a very. And you were how old? I must have been 27, 29 so you or something. He's ten years yeah. older than you. And you said ten years from now, I don't want to. I be saw yeah, he had some gray hair, and which is nothing wrong with that. I'm saying, but this what I did not like was that he was still lugging his equipment, and I just, and I was just like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to arrive in some town and have, find a place to stay. It just doesn't look nice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, you've done that. Yeah, it's fine for. When you're in your 20s. It's great. We slept on floors, shared motel rooms, shared really, like, the worst kinds of places you could imagine, yeah, you know. but stuck together. Stuck
2: together. Describe Trenchmouth's music. Who wrote the songs? We all did together. You all did? Yeah. When we did the songwriting happen? you just, like, get together and say, today's rehearsal songwriting day?
3: Yeah, it's kind of like we had band practice every, whatever, three times a week or something, twice a week, and you just sit in a room, and you're like, I have this one part, and I have this other part, and we just put them all together. But it was very frenetic and loud and percussive, and it was a cacophony of just, like, noise.
1: The world, the
0: world, the world
3: I was a little bit of a ham, so, like, I really wanted to play a lot of drums, like Keith Moon style, you know? Noise, 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 all the way through. And that was kind of, like, what... A lot of bands were like that, so it was kind of just the way it was. It was pretty noisy, but I don't know. I, I love the drums. so I, I And you still play. I do. I do. I, I, mean, I love the drums. Did you ever drums. get invited to come play with somebody who was famous? It depends what you consider famous. For me, it was the Bangles asked me to play with did them they? recently. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I paid to go see the Bangles, and then— at a show recently, they'll come up and play a song. Absolutely, and then did you enjoy it? I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. So you're really two people.
2: There's you, the musical you. Yeah, and you don't want to let that die, and you still play every now and then. Yeah, you still have I, just a drum set.
3: Yeah, but I don't do anything like I don't fancy myself like. Hey, I'm still making music. I won't like put out like you know original songs and like yeah. I, I, that no one needs to hear (laughs) You know, I'm grateful to be a comedian. I'm not like a struggling anything. But for fun, I will go and play music. In 1998, Armisen went with his band to Austin,
2: Texas for the South by Southwest Music Festival. Along with his drums, he brought a video camera.
3: And there were all these seminars and stuff on how to make it in the music biz. And (sighs) somehow, uh, I got it in my head to interview people, do different characters, and... uh, it just became this this video of— And you'd never of,
2: done anything like that before? No.
3: You're down there, and the and the whole uh, the whole experience down there is a musical one, but yeah. you start doing funny stuff. And I don't even know why I did it. You know, I was just like, I just thought it would be a fun thing to do, and a friend of mine edited it together. And that tape—this is 1998—sort of made the rounds. They, they wrote about it in this local Chicago paper, and then I showed it at a club there that I used to play in Trenchmouth— at this club as many people turn out for that as with the band so right away I knew like oh I could do this and not have to load in my equipment back and forth do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like the reaction was greater than when I was in a band on that night I thought oh this might be a way to go (laughs) I'm here with the Aluminum Group, I just wanted to know from you guys who thought up the name of the band, and I don't mean like originally, I mean like, who was the person who decided that that was going to be the name, and what record label are you on, is it the same record label that you were on a couple years ago, or is it one that's going to be different, and is it the one that's going to be on in, in Europe?
2: Did everybody in Trenchmouth get really sad, then did they know you were going to go?
3: Um, Maybe. But they're my friends, so I think bas- you know, they ha- they kept on going with another band. I called all of them, and they said they hate you, and they'll never oh, forget damn it. Me. No. But hatred equals love. Yeah, it's the flip you know, side. It's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's still an emotion. It's still a warm emotion. They're not ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were already uh, bro- broken up or breaking up, so it was a very natural progression. Right. Uh, at the time, I was playing drums for Blue Man Group in Chicago. Aha. Uh-huh. So... Um, now that's doing the same thing every night, isn't it? Yeah, that's a show. Yeah, how'd that grab you? I lo- I learned a lot. You did. I learned a lot from that show because do you, have you are you familiar with yes. the show? Pure entertainment. It's been playing down on Lafayette Street yeah. for like nine hundred years. Pure entertainment. You know, I'm up there in this sort of the the drums are above the stage, and you can kind of look down at the audience. And I learned that the audience is one just be entertained. Yeah. You don't have to overthink anything. If you if, if you're entertaining enough, they're there. They want something to do at night. They're predisposed. Yeah. How long did you do that? 2 years. 2 years. Yeah. It's the first time I got a paycheck for playing the drums. And I to me it was a million and dollars. And the last.
2: And the right. last. And the yeah. last. Yeah. Yes, after absolutely. That.
3: After that, comedy. So you yeah, that's the last what time I What did you learn from Blue Man? Um simplicity to not overthink ideas. Speed they change from one bit as it were, to the next very quickly. Um, I think uh, reinvention a little bit, they would keep sort of renewing the show a little bit just to keep it lively. that That is what I, I came away with the most, that the audiences want it, want to be entertained. And then what happens after that? That's when I started doing comedy and then um, doing comedy where um, from those videos that I was telling you about, I started traveling the country showing it in LA. San Francisco, New York. So you took, made it into a stand-up act? Kind of. I would just, you know, they'd write something in the paper, and people came out for, in all these cities. And then I went to L.A. You and played did played clubs?
2: It. Yeah. Comedy clubs?
3: Um, rock clubs.
2: Rock clubs.
3: Yeah. There was no music? No music. Just showed this video and talked a little bit, and that's it. And How long were you we on stage? I mean, total of like half an hour, 40 minutes. Really? Or something. Really short. Just wow. a, little, a little And people event. dug it? Absolutely. It's pre-internet. So right. showing a video was more of a, an event. More nouvelle. Yeah. There was no such thing as, like, sort of, why don't you just watch it online? Right. Um, and then someone from HBO was at one of the shows, and then I started doing these videos for HBO. Uh, they had, like, this, these other channels, like HBO Zone, Latino. Yeah, right. So there's something called <laughs> HBO Zone, which is this sort of, like, alternative yeah. uh, channel. And then I did these little interstitial pieces for them. Who hired you to do that? This woman, Elaine Brown. Uh, she'd seen you, she'd found you. It was through someone else who worked for a show called Reverb, which is a rock show on HBO. Right. So it was sort of indirect. I did some interviews for them. And then I started making enough money that I didn't have to live in Chicago anymore. I was like, I can I, I always wanted to live in LA. I moved to LA and then I started doing stand-up like characters and stuff on stage. Where? There's this one club that I loved called Largo. And people like David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and Marilyn Lynn Ricecub would perform there. And I just wanted to do the same thing, so I just started doing some stand-up there as different characters. And so now are
2: you in the full world of sitting down and writing for those shows? You're sitting down doing a
3: lot of writing? Then it's like, yes. No, I did all that for sure. Yeah. I moved to L.A., and I just, I just wanted to fit in. You know, I was on my own, and I just wanted to perform there, and I would just do different Were all your characters. your friends back in Chicago? Yeah. Did you make all new friends right away? Did you yeah. fall into the comedy world? Yeah, I did. I just wanted to be part of it, you know what I mean? So I think it was— And you were open to it. Yeah. And then I I just— And who became your pals there in L.A.? um, Paul F. Tompkins, Bob Odenkirk really helped me out a lot. From doing stand-up there, he had a pilot for a show called Next, which had different characters, and it was a sort of variety show. And he got me onto the cast for that. And from that is where I had, like, all the um, tape to submit to SNL. Hello, welcome to Focus on Talent. I am Gerhard Lipschitz, and today my very special guest is the wonderfully simple Ray Romano. Thank you so much for coming, this is really great. And you began in, in stand-up comedy, and, so, and, and I think that your act was not so good, yes? Well, I, it huh? seems to make people smile, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, but perhaps it is a yawn, and, and you are paid by the yawn, and that is why you're so rich, yes? I had enough tape to submit to SNL. My agent and manager sent it to them, and then I was on the cast in 2002. So you show up to New York to do the show. I flew in to do the auditions. You know, I was flipping out that I even got to do the auditions at all. That's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, I met Tina Fey for the first time, Lauren, and... Tina was the head writer then? I believe so. I think her and Dennis McNicholas. I couldn't even believe I was in that studio. Yeah, it was... uh, I'm still blown away by it.
2: And then when you started, you were a featured player.
3: Yeah. And then how many
2: years did you, did you do that before you joined the like cast?
3: two years. It was Will Forte and I.
2: And was it frustrating to be a featured player? Because again, no, no, I'm, it wasn't.
3: I'm fresh from carrying drums. I'm fresh from just doing stand-up at Largo. So this is, this is I, I can't. There's a part of me that still is like, I can't believe it. A lot
2: of people on the show don't sense that. They leave and they don't realize how good they've had it, but it's, it's a good show.
3: People who have left the show have told me, and I, I listen to them, and they say, it's the best job I ever had.
2: Yeah. It's going to be one of them. You know, you're know, you not going to have that much freedom and that much right. variety. I always tell people, don't leave the show and become the thing you made fun of on the show. Right. You know, that's a real trap. Yeah. Because you're going to go out there and do other jobs. And yeah. One of the greatest risks in my mind is that people will characterize you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see you doing a movie where you're with a really smart cast and a smart director, and you like— lock everybody in the gymnasium and burn the gymnasium down to the ground. You could go (laughs) either way. Don't you
3: think? Uh, I hope so. Do you want to uh, do straight acting? Mm, That's tricky. Um, Why? If if, if there's a way to do it, it's tricky because I don't want to look like I'm unhappy with comedy. I don't want to go out there and say, for lack of a better word, an audience like, hey, this is what I really do. However, I think these days there are roles that are both comedic and dramatic. Right. I like that that line is becoming blurry. So my answer is kind of like, uh, I think there's a way that Peter Sellers did it. Where it was was right. it comedy or was it not comedy? Somewhere in there. But the he
2: other. occupies a very, very distinct place. I mean, yeah. You have comic actors yeah. who've made their reputation in comedy comedic roles right. who've tried to go over into dramatic films and it's worked to some degree or hasn't worked you know Billy Crystal and Robin Williams and so forth right? and I think you have a real opportunity and it's never more vivid than it is in Portlandia that you could go both ways and do the yeah. comic and the dramatic do you feel that way?
3: yes because when we do the show when we write the show we don't always think about like what's the funniest thing right like what what seems interesting to us What what's gonna look nice and if nice? the funny comes it comes great if it's not quite comedy, that's okay. Like, that's it's something else in between. I
0: did. Mm-hmm. I did
3: read that. Do you hear the thing at McSweeney's? Mm. I was comparing CD tracks and album tracks. Did you read that?
0: Yes. Yeah. Did you read that thing in Mother Jones about eco chairs and eco ways to sit? I did. Yeah.
3: I did. Did you read that thing in Spin about all the festivals?
0: Mm-hmm. Did you read that thing in Pace? It was about the National. Oh, I saw that.
3: Did you read that thing in Dwell about all the mid-century houses?
0: Yeah. Did you read the New York Times? Yes. New York Observer? Yes. Washington Post? Yes. Wall Street Journal? Of course I read it. Did you read that steampunk article in Boing Boing? I did not like the end of it. Did you read that skywriting over the Willamette River? Yes. Did
3: you read the Fortune Cookie? Yes. From last night? Yes. Did you read it? Yes. There were two? Yes.
0: Did you read that thing that guy wrote in the sand on the beach? Yeah. Did you read the Portland Mercury? Did you read the Willamette Week? Yeah. Did you read the Seattle Stranger? Beginning to end. Do the SF Weekly. I loved
2: it. I think everybody who would listen to this podcast knows Carrie Brownstein from, from the show. Yeah. But did you know Carrie when? When did you meet her?
3: I met her in 2003, I think. But I'd know, I know had, we had mutual friends going so you back were already, to,
2: So you just started the feature playing bit of the
3: contract. Yeah. But I knew the drummer in her band, Janet, in 1997 or 1998. And Carrie lived in Portland or L.A.? Uh, Portland. And uh, I, her band was like my favorite band. This band, Slater-Kinney. I became friendly with them. We just had a lot of mutual friends. They came to New York to play. I just invited them to come to the show. They had a show that night, so they came to the after party, and I met Carrie there. And it was the strangest thing. Carrie and I just became instant friends. Mm -hmm. That happens. And she knew who you were from the TV show? Yeah, fully. It just worked out. You clicked? Yeah, ever since then. And
2: then how soon after that? I mean, what was the relationship like between that and when you started Portlandia, which is only how many years old now?
3: Portland is—we're uh, going to our third season. You started hatching it four years ago, let's say. Further back than that, we had a, a website where we would make little videos. Right. Oh, this was the birth of that was this video thing yeah. as well. Yeah, Thunder Ant. And you—Thunder Ant. <laughs> yeah. So it was just it, we just made these Who videos. Who came up with that name? Well, it was going to be Thunder Egg, which is the Oregon State Rock. And oh. then there was a band called Thunder Egg. So we're like, out of respect, we're like, well, let's think of something else. And we just came up with Thunder Ant. And uh, we just made these videos. I would know, go to Portland— it was like the equivalent of jamming, you know? Yeah. And so instead of doing that, which is just like, so what? You know, like, hey, we have this band. We just thought, let's make these videos. There was no pressure on it. It was just like, let's just, you make just
2: erase it if you didn't like it.
3: Yeah, for no reason. Let's just come up with characters. Let's make these tapes. And then we did. And then we had just all these videos on this website. I remember reading that you did about a dozen of them, correct? Yeah, that's about right. And then, then we just had enough to pitch a TV show. And then how does Portlandia become a show? Who buys the show? Um, It was kind of a thing where I I was just talking to my manager. What do you want to do next? What's something you want to work on? I thought, Thunder it. Let's just turn it. see if we can turn it into something. And then Carrie and I just thought, yeah, let's let's pitch it. Was she
2: ready for that? Does she want that? Yeah. She seems like somebody who lived in Portland and lived on the fringe and was very, very talented deliberately. Yes. That she didn't want to be mainstream successful.
3: Um, I think she just likes doing it. So uh, she does what she wants. She's a perfect mix of like she just enjoys, you know, performing and isn't like so crazy ambitious that she's like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? She's just very like, let's work on some projects, and a lot of it's our friendship. We just like working together, Uh, and then we pitched it to um, Broadway Video, Andrew Singer, and then uh, to you know Lauren, and as a group we pitched it to IFC. They uh, said, go ahead and do a pilot, which we did, and then next thing we knew, we're doing the show. And you shoot the show in Portland, yeah. obviously. Yeah.
2: And, and what was it like to crew up a show there? I mean, is there a lot of production up there?
3: Yeah. I mean, it was it was incredible. I, I mean, we had—I didn't have time to stop and think about, wow, isn't this cool? We just had to get, you know, a director, John Kreisel. We had to get, you know, producers, line producers on board. So there was a lot to do. And then we had to come up with the sketches, too.
2: And where's the production
3: facility? We just shoot on, on location. On location. Where's yeah. the production offices? Uh, In some defunct building? Yeah.
2: What it, was it, it, like a it, missile factory? Where it was, was like it? An, it was like
3: this old... A sneaker factory. It, it was like an abandoned sports store. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or sports something. Action sports something. Some like... Is the production office for the show? It was. It, it just changed, and then it changed the second year. We just, you know, it's... Which I kind of like at first. I didn't like, but it's something I, I've grown to like. Is it? It just changes to whatever's the cheapest place to rent space. Right. I think when things are permanent, that's a little, that's kind of a scary thing because then you just assume too much.
2: Is it, there a lot of other production in Portland? I
3: mean, is there a lot of other a, stuff a shooting there? There's a few other things. I, th- um, a Leverage is shot there. Grimm is shot there. But I think that's it. Maybe. So we, not a lot is shot there. Not a lot. Not a lot. I think it's nice that, that everyone's employed. You know, anything that brings employment to a city, it's got to be great. Now, when you go there, I'm assuming, to start the show, you'd never lived there before. No, but I'd gone there so much. You mag. had, because you'd spent so much time. So you knew what this Portland head was that you oh, wanted yeah. to I mean, that it, 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 that's what also got us to doing the show there. I mean, like, I, I would visit Carrie all the time. she Yeah. For years I've been going there. And she'd lived there for how long? um Forever. For a while. I think she's, she's originally from Washington State, and then she moved to Portland, whatever, you know, right. 10 years ago or something.
2: Uh, so what is your experience being in Portland? Do people go say stuff to you all the oh, time at the yeah, show? They yeah. just love it.
3: They're so nice about it. <laughs> and, and I really like it there. You know, I'm, I'm a city guy. I'm from New York, and, and I still love it there. It's smaller, but it's still, it's still a city and clean and nice, and it's good food civil. everywhere. Really civil, really just physically pretty. And, and kind of overcast, which I really like. Do you think when SNL is over, you'll stay in New York? Or do you think
2: Los Angeles is where you end up going? I think—I'm
3: going to try. Yeah. I'm sure, I'll some, I'm sure I'll spend some time in L.A. and some time in Portland. But, I mean, I love it here. Do you develop films now? Do you write films at all for yourself? I've started to. Yeah, you're going to oh, start I've started to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when I when I try to write something for myself, it always, it ends up in TV form. But still, I want to try to expand that. You more.
2: would never do a TV series.
3: Um, I, do, I would do anything. Anything that seems interesting, I would, I would do. Anything that seems like uh, something, you know, good to be part of. So when you sign a contract,
2: like with Broadway Video, yeah. for those people who don't know this, that's Lauren's company, right. his production arm. And you have to deliver how many episodes? Ten. You just first, do ten?
3: First one was six, second was ten, this one's going to be ten. I'll so say. this one's going to be ten? a lot. That's, that's what I was going to say,
2: because eventually,
3: you start again When? As soon as I'm done with SNL, yeah.
2: You're going to go right out to Portland with Carrie and start yeah. again and do 10. And that 10 will take you through, what, through the summer? Yeah. So you spend your whole summer working with Carrie, then you come back to SNL.
3: Yeah. You have a little bit of a break. No. In fact, it, it <laughs> overlaps a little bit. I, in fact, I might have to miss some, maybe a little bit of rehearsing when we come right back next year. <sighs> because I think it's going to bleed into October a little bit. What do you do for fun? I, I just work all the time. All you do is work. Yeah. Because that's what you wanted. Yeah. Today I'm going to go into work, and we're going to start writing, and it's work, but it's still, you know, trying to think of things for, for the show. What do you watch on TV? Um, Lately, Game of Thrones. You do. Why? I'm just—I'm w- very addicted to every s- story that's going on in that show. It's so <laughs> well done. It's so well done, and and it's a weird mix of, like— it's kind of historical, not historical. Right. It's fan. I mean, I guess at this point it's just fantasy. But like, it's just it's just so well done. I really really love it. Downton Abbey is really fun yeah. to watch. And, I have to watch that. I haven't watched that. Um, Girls is really great. That show's great. so many great things. I always
2: remember uh, Favreau had that show Dinner for Five. I remember that. Yeah, I used to watch that show. I love yeah. that show. And uh, Favreau had these people on it. And- Favreau's talking to these people, and he says, well, you know, in the movie business, there's three things. There's the director, there's the script, and there's the cast. And he said, you can afford to take a chance on one of the three. He said, but if two of the three, let alone three, but if two are in doubt or you have questions about it, he said, don't do the movie. I remember sitting there in my bed, and I had already been in the movie business for like, you know, I was probably 40 years old or 45 years old. I remember sitting there going, damn, now he tells me. Damn you, John
0: yeah,
2: That was
3: that's really good. He taught me a big lesson.
2: Yeah. Did you ever meet someone who was an idol of yours and you really had an amazing experience chatting with them? Oh,
3: absolutely. For example? Steve Martin. Right. <laughs> I mean— Oh, him. <laughs> uh, he's, you know—it's it's even weird talking about it because I feel like I, I know him somewhat. Yeah, sure. But uh, in the comedy world or in the entertainment world, he's just like—the experience is— greater than I ever thought it would be. Right. Because I idolize him. And then on top of it, the way he's just the way he is. You know, that's part of the thing, The, the, the seeing how people are as people. That's another nice surprise. Yeah,
2: he's a very sweet guy.
3: He's just, uh, yeah, and he, he loves art. And that's
2: like, the, yeah. You seem very goal-oriented. You've had goals. Yeah. You wanted to be in the band, you did the band. You did that till you were done, you put it down. You went to this, you, you've moved along. Yeah. What else do you want to do?
3: Um, someday (laughs) want to invent a type of entertainment that isn't, is, is really blurry between comedy and something else that doesn't have a name yet. But I do want to see if there's another way to, another level of, um, fooling people as opposed to just doing a character, something a little bigger than that. And I don't know quite how to do it yet, but, uh. Do you think
2: being famous has killed that opportunity for you personally? Sometimes. So that someone, you'd have to get someone else to do it. Maybe. You'd have to write and produce that. Yeah. And because you couldn't do that. Yeah. Because the minute you show up, they know something's going on. But, uh,. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Do you find that? Do you find that when you walk up to people automatically Like someone once said something to me They said to me y- you're, you're at a wonderful place Which is also a terrible place Yeah, That place where people are going to laugh at you Whether you're funny or not And you right. meant it as a dig Yeah. Do you find that's true with you That wherever you go People are predisposed to you saying something
3: Yeah or if I do like a, a stand up show somewhere I find that I want to put more effort into it But sometimes I don't really have to So that might not be a good thing. So... um, What about
2: in your personal life? How has your personal life changed as a result of being
3: famous? um, It's everything I ever wanted, but there are some things about it that are just very new and just very interesting. You know, like, I love New York. I love riding on the subway. My subway rides aren't as private as they used to be. Right. That's when I start trying to think of ideas. I listen to music. And... That's just different now. And people
2: say things to you.
3: Yeah. Perfectly nice. Perfectly nice. I would have done the same had I met whoever. But that's, that's changed. It's like a different kind of subway ride. What about your relationship with your family, your friends? I mean, do you still have the same friends? I've, yeah, kind of. But I've grow, you know, gotten new well, you, friends, yeah, obviously. You, another but, new circles of friends <clears throat> come new circles with of each friends, but, ladder you go up. Yes. But I've maintained my friendships with the guys in the old band. and. Kirk. Yeah, absolutely. He's in
2: LA though, right?
3: Yeah, we just text each other, and yeah. So I, I do uh, maintain relationships with these, even if I'm if if we're both busy, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, whoever. I still try to keep those alive.
2: This is the last thing I want to say to you. Which you is— you could the, say a
3: million things to me. Well, but I'm saying
2: that uh, without getting too personal. You know, you've been married twice. Yeah. And Um, you find you were married twice, correct? That's correct.
3: And and the first one was in Chicago before I was doing comedy. And that's someone who I'm still friends with, um, Sally. That was during
2: the music days.
3: Yes, yeah. The Keith Moon days. Yeah.
2: And then you were married the second time. Yes. But would you say that, like, from things I've read, you find that because of what you crave and what you love, you speak very lovingly about Carrie and how you and she are just friends. Yeah. But she's like your, you know— She's your, like, last text of the day. Yeah.
3: Do you think that she's kind of your soulmate? Without a doubt. It's all the things that I've ever wanted, you know, aside from, like, the physical stuff. Right. But um, the, the intimacy that I have with her is, like, no other. Like, it's something that—and it's only—it t- took me a while to realize. I'm like, wait a minute. I am super, super close with her. I mean, we work all day together on Portlandia, and then we hang out afterwards. Yeah. I mean, what is that? Because people don't understand in this business how important that is. Like, do you yeah. have to be—it depends on who the person is. Yeah. I also feel like you want someone who you can be not great around, meaning— you know, like, right. like I, I want I want to be able to be kind of boring sometimes or say something dumb and it's okay. Yeah. That pressure is—I like that pressure not to be there, to have to be super funny and intelligent all the time. It's nice yeah. when I, like— Not I'm just, that competitive.
2: Yeah, where I'm just like— But the I'll, comedy world is very competitive, isn't it?
3: I guess. I haven't walked into that too much. Right. I wasn't part of a comedy troupe or anything, and so—and the stand-ups I've become friends with have I've all been very, you know, supportive Definitely. Depending
2: on the outcome of the election, you can expect to see more of Fred Armisen on SNL next season as Barack Obama, but definitely more of Prince. Portlandia is entering its third season on IFC. Can I play a customer in Portlandia? Can I come to a restaurant? Any time. Can I come and just do something? Can I Any... order a Who would I play and what would I order?
3: Um, I think you would uh, uh, come from Southern California... <laughs> And you'd order all kinds of meats. A meat aficionado. People think of it as a veggie place, but it's actually a very meaty place. They're no. Very, it's a, yeah, it's very like cured meats and sausages. They're, but we haven't explored that that much. Maybe I could be a meat salesman. Yeah, even better. Maybe I could be a meat salesman with all even kinds
2: better. of charts and graphs of the loins and Any pictures time. of the
3: sections of the pig and the cow and the
2: organs and <laughs> the pig salesman. Yeah,
3: I love it. And the answer is yes. Great. Anytime. I'll come see you in Portland. Yeah.
2: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing.